0: As we get into our message this morning, uh, we are in the book of Deuteronomy. If you're new here with us, we've been working our way through the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, we are looking at the story of how God has uh, called a people, uh, a family, that has become uh, a a big group of people. And he's calling them to become his people, to be a nation uh, that's set apart for him. And in that process, he's made some promises. He's made the promise that they would become a mighty family, a mighty nation. Uh, He also promised that he would give them land. And so this book of Deuteronomy that we're looking at, uh, they have been in the process of finding their way to that promised land. And so we are uh, just on the edge getting ready to go into the promised land, and we get to look at one final message, one final sermon where Moses has turned around and is addressing the people uh, and is warning them of some things, cautioning them of some things, reminding them of how God has worked in the past. Uh, And so we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 8 this morning. Uh, If you've got your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy 8. If you don't have a Bible with you and you'd like to follow along, there should be one in the chair underneath of you. Uh, We're on page 91 in those Bibles, so I'd encourage you to find your way there. I want to ask you, do you remember one of your firsts? The first time that you got to do something, maybe you had been looking forward to doing this thing for years or, or for an extended period of time. For me, as I was thinking about this, it was driving a car for the first time. It was uh, an exciting time. It was, it was something that I had dreamed about and looked forward to, and it was just it was overwhelming, right? It was invigorating, and what I was experiencing as joy, I remember my dad sitting next to me experiencing fear and uh, kind of the look on his face that, that's on the screens. But it was such an exciting thing. The first time, I remember, I got behind the wheel, and we had gone into... Uh, kind of a, a nearby neighborhood and uh, went as far away from any other vehicles or property or anything that we could get. And I get, in the, get out of the, the passenger seat and go around and get, get in the front seat, the driver's seat of the car. And I buckle up and I, I put it in drive and, and I hit the gas and what felt like I was going 100 miles an hour was probably more like 10. And we go about 200 yards down the road and dad tells me, all right, you can press the brake and we'll stop. And He said, did you notice what you did? No? What are you talking about? I drove. You you saw it, right? I drove down the street. He said, there were three stop signs back there that uh, you just cruised right on through. I was so worried about driving the car. I was so excited about what was going on. I totally missed some of the other stuff that that I kind of needed to be paying attention to. But the first time, I was so focused on the idea of driving that I was missing stuff around me. But now I've driven for several years, and what was once super exciting is now just a thing. I find my mind wandering sometimes when I'm driving, and, and, and I'll look up and go, oh, well, we're further down the road because it's just it kind of turns into autopilot, right? You find yourself driving your way home, and you don't have to think about how you get there. You don't have to think about uh, when the light turns red or the light turns green or what the speed should be. or you You just, you just do it, right? After you've been driving for a while, it kind of becomes mundane. It becomes ordinary. It becomes just something that we do, and that excitement is no longer uh, our experience every time we get in the car. For me, one of the most painful things about uh, serving as a pastor, about being uh, in ministry, uh, is the reality that we get to see that sometimes in people's relationship with the Lord as well. What was once so exciting, so new, so fresh uh, over time can just become ordinary, can just become mundane. Things like reading our Bible and hearing what God has given directly for us to hear and to, to hear from Him just becomes a task sometimes. The blessings that God pours out in our lives, they can just become things that we get used to. And Deuteronomy chapter 8, as we look at it uh, this week, it, it's Moses cautioning the people about that reality about the fact that that if we're not careful, that our relationship with the Lord can just become something that we do. Paul uh, exhorts believers in Romans chapter 12. He says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor and serve the Lord. Deuteronomy 8 warns us about that temptation, about losing our zeal, about uh, keeping our spiritual fervor. And it warns the Israelites as they are getting ready to go into this promised land Things are about to change a little bit for them, but to not become lazy. Over the last 40 years, these Israelites have been wandering around in the desert, and they have been dependent on God for everything that they have. Every meal, they didn't have pantries. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have food available to them readily. So every morning, God would provide manna. He would provide bread that would be outside of their camp on the ground that they would go out and collect, and and that day God had provided for their needs. But as they go into this promised land, they're no longer going to need that, because uh, as we see in our passage this week, they they have good homes, they have uh, vineyards, they have uh, orchards, they have all of these things that food will be readily available to them. And this cautions them, uh, they will soon be tempted not to depend on God anymore, but just to, to look to what they already have. We're going to jump in in just a minute, but before we look at our passage, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you provide for us, even when we don't acknowledge it or realize it. And God, we pray that we would never take that for granted. God, that your work in our lives would never become mundane or ordinary to us, but God, that we would see the ways that you work around us every single opportunity that we have. God, that we would daily thank you for the ways that you work in our lives. So God, we pray and ask and thank you in advance for uh, speaking to us this morning as we know that you will. Amen. Well, this passage, this chapter breaks down into four kind of different distinct groups. And so we're going to work through those four groups. And the first one uh, that we see is a reminder of where the Israelites have been. So we're going to look at verses 1 through 6 and see where they've been, starting in verse 1. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these forty years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell for these 40 years. That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? (laughs) Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. There's three essentials that we see here in these verses that... They're, they're essential for Israel, Israel's conquest and enjoyment of the promised land that they're getting ready to go into. We, they're not new reminders for us, but we see them time and time and time again in the book of Deuteronomy. Those things were that they needed to listen to God's word, they needed to remember God's word, and they needed to obey God's word. If they would hear the word of God, they would remember it and they would obey it. That was really all that, that God was asking them to do. If we simplify it down be my people. Hear what I have to say. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will walk with you. I will connect with you. I will engage with you. And if you will just listen to what I have to say, remember it and do it, you'll be in a good place. But we see in verse 2, in verses 1 and 2, a reminder that they didn't always listen to the word of God. They didn't always obey what God had told them to do and Forty years earlier, uh, this generation's parents and grandparents had disobeyed. You remember at the the start of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses says he, he reminds them that once they had had an opportunity to go into the promised land 40 years ago, and their disobedience had resulted in discipline. Their disobedience and failure to do what God had told them to do resulted in God looking at them and saying, you've got some, some lessons that you need to learn. You've got some growing up to do before you get to go in and enjoy uh, the good land that I'm going to give you. And so they had to go out and they had to wander around in the wilderness. And in verse 2, it talks about how uh, God was testing them to know what was in their heart. For 40 years in the wilderness, it was a time of God's affliction and testing so that the attitudes that were inside of the people... So that those might become known. So that those might bubble to the surface. You've heard it said that uh, hard times don't necessarily uh, create things inside of us. It just kind of brings to the surface what's already there. Well, during this 40 years, the hard times that they had experienced, the the, the hunger that they had experienced, the thirst that they had experienced, the, the wandering day after day in the wilderness that they had experienced... It brought to light things in their lives that they needed, to, they needed to, dis, to, to be disciplined in. They needed to grow up in. They needed to mature a little bit. And so during that season, God was working on his people. In verse 3, we see the reminder about the manna that God fed them with. About how God, every day, they woke up and they went outside, and God had provided for them exactly what they needed for that day. And we see the reminder that, well, let's, let's read verse 3. It says that He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. If you've been around church for a while, that, that verse may sound familiar to you. Uh, it's because it shows up in the New Testament as well. It shows up in... Uh, the temptation of Jesus, right before Jesus uh, began his public ministry, he was about 30 years old and uh, he had been growing up and learning and, and, and becoming the man that, that he needed to be. But right before he started his public ministry, right before he started performing miracles and teaching the crowds and, and, and revealing who he was to people, he went out into the wilderness for 40 days. And during those 40 days, he fasted and he prayed and he sought the Lord. He sought God's best for him, and he spent that time in prayer and preparation for the ministry that God had for him to do. But at the end of that 40 days, he's been fasting for 40 days with no food, and during that time, I suspect he had grown fairly hungry. At the end of that time, Satan comes to him, and Satan tempts him three different times. One of those temptations is Satan comes to him and says, if you really are the Son of God... Take these stones here and turn them into bread so that you might no longer be hungry. You can make food for yourself. And Jesus' response was Deuteronomy 8.3. He said that man does not live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's a reminder for us that as we sit here, there are things that we need. There are physical things that, that, like bread, we need to eat. But life is not about fulfilling just our needs. Everything that we have, everything that we need in life is not something that we can just go to Target and get. Everything that we need in life, it proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Man does not live by bread alone, but but if we are dependent on God in every moment, in every situation, for everything that we have and everything that we need, God will always come through, and God will always be faithful to give us exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. We often think of discipline in terms of punishment for something that was done wrong. We think of discipline as a bad thing. But discipline's not always a bad thing. As a parent standing up here, and many of you have, have raised children or work in uh, places where discipline is important, discipline's not always just punishment. As a parent who has to discipline my children sometimes, a lot of the time that discipline is because I want something better for them. It's not because there's something bad that they did, but I want better for them. I have to discipline them to eat the right foods because if they did what they wanted and they ate Twinkies and, and candy for lunch every day, they're 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 not going to grow up to be very healthy people. If they went and did the the, the things, the hobbies that they wanted to do, well, they wouldn't they wouldn't be educated adults there's a lot of things that they would miss if i just gave them what they wanted but in in my responsibility as a parent it's my job to discipline them to help them learn what it means to eat good food what it means to uh, to be a, a respectful person to to learn what it means to to grow up and to mature discipline is child training it's the preparation of a child for responsible adulthood And that discipline, as it talks about in these verses, is exactly what God was doing as he was helping his children to grow up to be responsible, mature adults. Hebrews 12, 6 tells us that for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one that he accepts as his child. Every good parent has to correct their children sometimes. And what we see here in this discipline that God has given to his children, it's not not a... A problem that they just were looking to avoid. It was God at work in in helping them to become the person that God wanted them and needed them to be. So we see in in the first six verses where they've been. Let's look at seven through ten now and look at where they're going. Verse seven For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing forth in valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given to you. We see here, God doesn't, God doesn't make mistakes, and God doesn't give bad gifts He has promised that He's going to lead His people into this promised land. And when they go into this land, that it's going to be a good land. That they're going to have plenty. That they're going to have an abundance. And it's important for us, as it says in this final verse, in verse 10, that when we have eaten and are satisfied, that we shall bless the Lord our God for the good that He has given to us. When we take time to remember and to meditate and to stop and think about all the things that God has done for us, It stirs a response in us. The only reasonable response I have to God when I think about all that he's done for me is that I would praise him, is that I would give him thankfulness and and scream at the top of my lungs about how good he has been in my life. I am a blessed person, and I think many of us in here are blessed people. God is a good God, and he gives good gifts to his children. And when we stop long enough to think about that, man, we've got a lot to be thankful for. The danger for us in all of this is that many times we don't slow down long enough to think about the ways that God has worked. We don't slow down long enough to to meditate and to remember and to thank God for His goodness. So one of the disciplines, one of the necessary things that we must teach ourselves to do is to pause, to take time, to remember all of the wonderful gifts that God has given to us and to be thankful. Not giving time... To, to remember and to praise the Lord for what He's done. It can seriously warp our relationship with the Lord. It can seriously warp our Christian life. And so for me, I'm a busy person. I, I like checking boxes off. I like getting things done. And, and it's really easy for me to wake up. My eyes pop open and I start thinking about all the things that I have to do in a day. All of the things that I want to accomplish in a day. But we can't just get up, get running, and ignore taking time to stop and thank God for the ways that He's blessed us. We have to set aside times to remember and to praise the Lord for all that He's done. For me, I find that there's times where it's difficult for me to to put words together, to to really, truly reflect to God the feelings that I have in my heart. And so for me, I, I turn to the book of Psalms. I find that there's a lot of those Psalms that they are just... they. They, they put words to the feelings that I have in my heart. They, they uh, wonderfully declare to the Lord that, that I can declare to the Lord my thankfulness. How blessed I feel. How I am just thankful that He is a, a refuge and an ever-present help in times of trouble. Things that, that are difficult for me to really know how to put into words. The Psalms do such a great job with that. Worship music is another way that as I get in my car, I can, can put on a playlist that I've got on my phone and I can, can allow those songs to really kind of put words to the things that I have in my heart. The things that, that I don't really know how to express, the music, the, the, the songs that we can turn to, they can do an incredible job of, of helping us reflect and thank the Lord and praise Him for all that He's done in our lives. May we never stop, may we never be so busy that we don't stop and praise the Lord. Let's look at the third section. The third section, we start to see the the caution. We see Moses tell them, beware of pitfalls in verses 11 through 17. Verse 11, it says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. "'Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied, "'and have built good houses and lived in them, "'and when your herds and your flocks multiply, "'your silver and gold multiply, "'and all that you have multiplies, "'then your heart will become proud, "'and you will forget the Lord your God "'who brought you out of the land of Egypt, "'out of the house of slavery. "'He led you through the great and terrible wilderness "'with its fiery serpents and scorpions, "'and thirsty ground where there was no water. "'He brought you water out of the rock of Flint.' In the wilderness he fed you manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, the power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. We see in these verses a, a, a big blinking sign saying, beware of the prosperity that's coming. Beware of the good things because there's nothing wrong with, with having good things. There's nothing wrong with having good gifts that God has given. There's nothing wrong with with money. There's nothing wrong with having food in the pantry. But there are dangers. And Moses warns us of these dangers here. The charge, beware or be careful, that we see at the beginning of this passage. Uh, It's one that we've seen over and over and over again. I know uh, Ryan Shoemaker has talked about it. I think Pastor Dave talked about it a few weeks ago. I know I've talked about it several different times. We keep seeing these These warnings, beware, look out, be careful. One of the first principles that we learn as we learn how to study the Bible is when we see uh, words or phrases pop up time and time and time again, we should pay special attention to those. If God made a point of saying it 20 different times in the book, we should pay attention. This is one of those things. We see the warning, be careful, look out. In verse 11, it says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. This time, in this verse, this be careful. It tells us to be careful because disobedience is said to cause us to forget God. People who do not obey, remember and obey what God has told them to do, they have a tendency to forget God. They have a tendency to just go through the motions. They may... Uh, talk about how great God is on Facebook. They may go to church every single week. They may even pray and bring their request to God and ask God to work in their life because they they believe that prayer is important. They may, they may even give charitably, give to the church or give to uh, organizations that they believe uh, they want to support. But they can do all of those things. We can do all of those things if we're not careful. And if we forget the Lord, we can do all of those things and still be disobedient. There's a difference between doing things because we love the Lord with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our might and doing things because we we think we're supposed to. Doing things out of religious obligation or, or this idea of being a good person. That religious behavior, if it's not at, a, at, a, at its core, if it's not because we love the Lord and we want to do it for Him, it becomes what Paul describes in 2 Timothy 3 as having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. If you ever feel like there's times where, God, I'm doing everything you want me to do, and I just don't feel like, I don't feel like you're upholding your end of the deal. My first question for you would, would probably be, why are you doing the things that you're doing? What role does God have in the, the, the equation? If we're just doing things because we, we think we're supposed to do good things, it's a dangerous place for us to be. May we never forget the Lord by not keeping His commandments and His ordinances and His statutes. Verse 14, and then again in verse 17, we see that this path of forgetfulness, of, of no longer being dependent on the Lord, but just doing the things that we're supposed to do, that it can often lead to pride. It, it's, we see that warning in 14 and in 17. Be careful. This path of forgetfulness leads to us having this sense of God is obligated to give us the things that we want because I did all the stuff you asked me to do, God, but where's my end of the deal now? I think there's a a caution here for us. God does give good gifts. God does take care of us. God does look out for us. And God does know exactly what you need and exactly when you need it. But, but, God is not just concerned about our happiness, He's concerned about the best for us. God's not just, He's not just there as a, a vending machine that we can stick a prayer into and tell Him exactly what we want. And he's going to give us everything that we need. Sometimes God knows that that the best thing for us would be to say no to that prayer. God wants our best. Discipline, trials, difficulty, just like James 1 tells us. It, It creates strength in us. It develops character in us in a way that prosperity often doesn't. God doesn't promise easy, but he does promise the best. So let's look at the last section, verses 18 through 20. May we never forget who's king. Verse 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. It shall come about that if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you today that you will surely perish. Just like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish, because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. We've seen this path of, of forgetfulness. When we stop acknowledging the ways that God has blessed and worked and moved in our lives, how dangerous of a path that can be. And we see here in these last few verses that the path of forgetfulness leads not only to pride and self-centeredness, but it also leads to idolatry. It also leads to us making everything about what we want. And idolatry for us today probably doesn't look like a little shrine in the closet where you worship some carved image that you've put together, but, but idolatry is something that we all have to fight. It's something that we all have to deal with in our lives because we as humans, as people, have a tendency to take good things and we start to elevate them and we start to elevate them past the point where they should be in our lives, and we have the tendency to put them on an equal level as as the Lord in our hearts, or maybe even more important in our hearts than God is. That's idolatry. When we make things all about how much I have, how comfortable I am, about how good and, and put together my life is, about how everyone needs to just be healthy and happy and wealthy We make life about us. And we become guilty of that sin of idolatry that the people of Israel were being warned and cautioned against. When you go into this good land and you have a lot of things, you're going to be tempted to look at all of the things that you have and say, look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at what my hands have made. And when we look at those things and think about what a great job I've done at amassing all of this wealth, we forget that it's God who ultimately gave me the ability to, to accomplish those things. Idolatry begins in our heart when gratitude for the giver to the giver is replaced with just a, a greed for the gifts. Romans chapter 1, it talks about that. It says that because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, and neither were they thankful. Romans 1 talks all about how sinful people have gotten it wrong. And it talks about how we're not thankful to God for the things that he's given us, but, but we're focused on ourselves. We're focused on what we have because we earned it and we worked for it. And we forget that God is the one who gives and takes away all things. So let's go back to where we were, where we started, right at the very beginning. My analogy of learning to drive. That excitement that I experienced as I was just learning to drive the first time. I had a little war, a little problem that I faced because one of the most important parts of learning to drive is learning to look ahead and and compensate and adjust for things that are coming. There might be something in the road that you have to avoid. There might be brake lights in front of you where you have to slow down or stop because the car in front of you stopped. We have to be aware of what's coming. And one of the ways... That we're able to do that is by being able to read the warning signs, being able to, to look at signs like this one on the side of the road and, and realize that there is a danger ahead if we don't adjust and we don't change. This sign, I wasn't a big fan of this sign for about 10 days when I was 15 years old because when I was 15 years old and I was getting ready to get my learner's permit and, and be allowed to start driving you have to go in and you have to take your test. You have to go in and and pass all the questions and and you get a little bit of grace on some of the general knowledge questions. How fast can I be going here and, and what does this mean and what does that mean and how am I supposed to do this? But there's a signs section of that test and I had to be able to identify 10 signs because those signs are important and if I didn't know how to identify the signs, there was danger that was coming that I wouldn't be prepared for. And so you have to pass all 10 signs. And I missed this one. I didn't get it right, and I went home grumpy and frustrated because I knew what it was. I was just being careless. And so now I moved to California. If you don't know what that sign is because you live in California and it doesn't rain here, uh, that sign is slippery when wet. So I moved out here so I don't have to see that sign anymore because it's never (laughs) wet here. But it's important for us to be able to recognize the danger signs, to recognize the warnings that exist out there. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 8, it warns us that prosperity can lead to ingratitude, that ingratitude can lead to idolatry. These three steps can take us towards ruin but they aren't ancient sins that that were only relevant for the Jews thousands of years ago. They're present in homes, businesses, and churches today as well. May we slow down and be careful to remember all of the ways that God has worked in our lives, all of the things that we have to be thankful for, to realize and to acknowledge that all good gifts come from God. That prosperity that we enjoy, it comes from the Lord, not from my gifts, not from my abilities, not from something that I did, but it's ultimately God's blessings. And the great danger from prosperity is that it can cause us to take credit for our own success, which will ultimately lead us to forget God. It'll ultimately lead us to idolatry because I make my life about me and what I want and what I've earned and what I deserve instead of trusting that God as a good father will give me exactly what I need and exactly when I need it. Please hear me and, and hear that this is not me uh, just standing up here screaming and fussing that prosperity is bad. God's not mad at you because you have money. Uh, despite the fact that we live in the top 1% of the top 1% in the world. If you've ever looked around, the, the last time I looked at statistics, the average person in the world lives on less than $2 a day. Meanwhile, we're here in abundance, in prosperity. That's not a bad thing. But when... Our focus, our joy, our fulfillment, our desires revolve around us, revolve around around our prosperity, revolve around what I want and what I need and what I deserve. We turn our eyes off of the Lord who should be in that position and we turn them to what we want. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. When challenges do come, may we not fight them and resist them as something that just needs to be avoided and eliminated in our life. But may we acknowledge that God is in control and that God wants our best, whether that is prosperity or need, whether that is the the pantry being full or empty, whether that means uh, you've got a car or you have to take the bus to work. May we be thankful for what God has given us exactly when he's given it to us. And just like Job said, may we be able to say, whether the Lord gives or whether he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to leave you with a reminder. God loves us, but God is ultimately, he's not just concerned about our happiness. He's concerned about our holiness. God wants us to be the right kind of person, not just a comfortable person. He's concerned not just about our happiness, but about our holiness. In just a minute, I'm going to pray, I'm going to invite Pastor Dave to come up in the band. Pastor Dave wants so deeply uh, for me to say Pastor Dave and his band to come up. He wants to be <laughs> in the band, but Pastor Dave and the band are going to come up. Pastor Dave has an announcement right after I pray uh, that he'd like to share with you, church. But Would you pray with me now as we, uh, as we prepare to finish our service? Father, we're so thankful for, for the way that you work. God, we're so thankful for uh, all that you have given to us, all that you have blessed us with. And God, whether it is prosperity or trials, whether it is having much or having little, God, we know that you are in control, that you are on the throne, and God, that we can trust you. God, that we can say, whether it's good or bad, blessed be your name. God, we pray that we would never become so focused on our stuff, that we would forget who has given us and who has blessed us with that. God, we pray that you would work in us, that you would allow us to always be thankful and to always acknowledge that it is from you and from your hand that all good gifts flow. We love you. Thank you for meeting with us and for speaking this morning. Amen.